message this morning is called Yoked. Yoked. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you once again for your wonderful presence, your anointing, which is burden-removing, yoke-destroying power that is on the scene today. Because without it, we can't do anything, Lord God. We expect that anointing to reach down from heaven today and to unloosen burdens, Lord God, destroy yokes in Jesus' name. And Lord God, put us on the right path. Lord, give us answers out of heaven today that we don't have currently, I pray. And Lord God, every person that's oppressed in Jesus name we pray that that burden be loosed today in the name of Jesus that we don't walk out of this place the same way we came in in Jesus name and everybody said a big amen so we are moving now I believe into a brand new season um, not just because we moved into a time of atonement into a brand new year which we did some weeks back but I believe we're moving into a brand new season prophetically as, it's, as it uh, relates to us as a people, the people of God. To where God is now positioning, and I also believe he's repositioning people. So you're going to start to see this. You'll see it in Congress. You're going to see it. You're going to see it uh, on a local level here in town uh, in Milwaukee. You're going to see it on the job. You're going to see it in the family. Some of you are going to move from a, a, a patriarchal system to a matriarchal system or matriarchal to patriarchal. Or maybe you're going to become the, the, the one who's going to take the lead in your family. Um, you'll find it uh, within the home. I just, see, I just see it all over the place in the educational system, in the business system. God is positioned. Positioning and repositioning. And so uh, why does God reposition his people? It's so that we're able to see what we were unable to see before. Something has to shift. Everybody say it's time to shift. Now we see this, and this is a great analogy used in the word of God. Where we see that Jesus is passing by and a man named Zacchaeus who's a well-known man of his day, and, and, uh, but he's also known for being a short guy. He's a short guy, a little guy. And uh, Jesus was coming into town, and the Bible says that there were so many people until people could barely move because Jesus, the miracle worker, the Son of God, was coming in to minister in that area. And Zacchaeus wanted to get a good look at him, wanted to see him for himself. But he couldn't because he's a man of short stature, the Bible says. That's what it says. He's a man of short stature. He's a short guy. So the Bible says what he does is he climbs up into a tree so that he can do what? Get a good look at Jesus. And when he does, he gets the attention of the Lord to where they have a conversation. And Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today, Zacchaeus, and shared the gospel with him that very day. What I'm trying to say is that Zacchaeus was repositioned from one level, come on, y'all, to another level. So he was able to see what he was unable to see before. So that tells me that not only God's going to do this in our life, but we've got to be prepared to make the move. Touch your neighbor say, it's time to be prepared for the move. You know, that's going to take some faith, amen? And the moment he was able to see what he couldn't see, he had an encounter with Jesus. Now, I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 14, and it says this. Do not be unequally yoked together. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. There's so much in that right there. But let me just say this. What does it mean to be yoked? When I say yoked today, some people think that means to be jacked. Come on, somebody. That means to be pumped up. That means to be muscular, right? That's not what it's talking about there. Yoked means this. It's like you take oxen and you yoke the oxen together so one becomes two so they can move in the same direction in order to produce more power and more stability and all of that, right? So 
He's saying to us, don't be yoked together. Don't be tied together. Don't be moving in the same direction together with an unbeliever. Now, I'm going to stop right there and say this, that I don't believe for one second that he's talking about those people in the world only. But he's also talking about people in the church because I've met people in the church that weren't very good believers either. Oh, they believe they're going to heaven. That's about it. Anything else, God wants to prosper you. God wants to heal you. God wants to deliver you. Ah, they struggle with those issues. I, I want to be yoked together with people that are moving in the same direction. Come on, somebody, to produce power in that arena, in that area. And so he said, don't be yoked together with an unbeliever for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness. Well, that's impossible. Just take the analogy of light and darkness. They never mix. So if we turn the lights off in this room, what happens? It gets pretty dark, right? There's no outside light whatsoever. But the moment we flip the switch, what happens? Light comes on the scene, and light always has victory over darkness. Woo, Jesus, thank you. I said light always has victory over darkness. So, so they can't be agreed. They can't walk together. That's what Amos 3.3 3 says. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? We know the answer is absolutely not. So then why do we get yoked up with things that are not moving in the same direction that we're supposed to be moving into? If I were to ask God's people this morning, what kind of church are you looking for? Here's the general answer that most would give. Number one, they'd say, well, I'm looking for a church that has a great children's program. And that sounds good on the surface. But maybe God will call you to something that doesn't have the best children's program. They got a good one, but they meant the best. But God wants you to be in that place. Come on, y'all. So in other words, we're allowing the children now to make the decisions for what God is saying for your life. I thought it was the other way around, that God made us to have authority over our kids. And what's best for us is best for our kids. Or I'm looking for a church that's got a great music program. I love music. I'm a music guy. I love music, right? But they'd say, well, I need, some, I need a place where there's some lights and there's some smoke. And I want to hear, hear Hillsong's latest song. I want to hear Todd Dulaney. I want to hear Elevation music. And, and what if they don't play those things at your church? If God called you there, that's where you're supposed to be promoted and prosperous. Well, I'm called to a church. I want to go to a church that has a cool cafe to hang out in. Because y'all know I need my latte before I worship Jesus. And don't mess with me until I have two of them. Praise the Lord. Amen, just help me get before the throne of God. Amen. What if they don't have a cafe? Amen. How about this? I, I want to go to a church where the senior pastor, you know, is uh, he's hip. I need my pastor to wear skinny jeans. Never going to happen in Jesus' name. You don't want to see this in those skinny jeans. No, 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 no. Uh, how about the no sock wearing pastors? I, that's a new thing too. The plaid pants and they, they flooded the bottom. Come on. And if you're not cool, pastor, unless you got the plaid pants that flood the bottom with no socks and some loafers in January. Don't even make no kind of sense to me. And I want my, my hip pastor to also bring a relatable, encouraging word that does not offend me. Don't you offend me, pastor. And by the way, I'm not afraid my son wears skinny jeans. Hallelujah. And I, I think it's great, these, these young guys. I think it's great. I love it. I'm only I'm making a little bit of fun. I'm just saying, but if we're looking at that as the measurement of where God's called us to be, we're missing the mark altogether. And if we're looking for a preacher who will not offend us, we're really missing the mark. Because the truth is, if a preacher's worth his salt and he's really called of God, at some point he's going to step on your toes. 
and say something you may not like. Listen, when you're going through a battle, you don't need a church that wants to throw you a party. Amen. You need someone who will fight alongside of you and that you can lean on for support and will provide you with options. I've met people in my life I wouldn't want to hang with too often because they make me mad, but boy, when I'm in trouble. That's the one I want to go to because they're going to help me fight my battles. They're going to say, baby, raise your head up. Don't put, don't put your head down no more. Here's what the word of God says. Walk in it. Amen. Back in the day, our church was a younger church, and, and, um, and we were probably maybe a year or two years old as a church. We were meeting in a little school building and a little theater, and, um, and uh, we'd have people that would show up on our Thursday nights, you know, for our Thursday night meetings. And sometimes the Thursday nights would be bigger than our Sunday mornings for a little while there. And I started thinking, wow, these people seem to really like it. But then I found out they were going back to their churches on Sunday and then sneaking out to our place on Thursday. You know, that's okay when you're trying to figure things out, praise God. But after a while, I started figuring out, you know what, they're, they're treating this church like a vacation church. This is the party church. They can come and get what they want, and, and they laugh, and they, they love the ministry, and they love the music, and they, like the, they enjoy it all, but then they go right back into that dead religious place that they come from. Not trying to mock anybody. I'm just trying to say sometimes churches are dead. Amen. They need a good funeral. Praise the Lord. But then they come here with this life, and they get, they get their praise on, hey, and they go right back in that stuff. And I, I had to challenge them, look, you can't use this as your vacation party church anymore. Make up your mind. That's what I said. Either get in or get out. Guess what? Smaller crowd next Thursday. Praise the Lord. Some left. Praise the Lord. But some stayed. Hallelujah. I would much have a church that's, got, that's in fight mode. That's ready to do battle on, on the behalf of one another. That's got each other's back. That's not always thinking party, party, party. Put the lights up. Put the light show up. The smoke show up. You know, entertain me. We don't need any more entertainment. We need attainment. We need to attain the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen and amen. The same is true with your relationships. By the way, to all you single ladies, that, that's why you keep on having drama in your relationships. Because you're looking for fun when you need to be looking for faithful. Amen. He may, he may be a lot of fun, and he may look fine and all that, but you can't go by that. you got to go, is he faithful? We all need to learn that when we're looking for relationships, we're not supposed to be yoked to those that don't have character. When we're looking for relationships, we're looking for those who actually have character. And character simply defined by me means this, is doing the right thing, the principal thing, when nobody else is looking. It's doing the right thing or the principal thing when nobody will hand you a reward for it. You're not going to get a reward at the end of the day. You're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. Look, I can tell you my faults, I can tell you my concerns, and just because you're fun-loving doesn't mean that I can trust you with my most valuable and my most in, in, in intimate details and information of my life. I don't give that to people who are fun, I give those to people that are faithful. And if, for all the single men here today, when you go to look for a wife, you don't assess her by her measurements, you look for her character. And ladies, when you look for a husband, you don't assess him by his bank account and the car he's driving. You look for his character. I'm preaching better than y'all want to shout now. 
Not once is that's why you we get in trouble. That's why that's why I love him. I love him, but he ain't saved yet. You'll get saved, Pastor. I'm gonna lead him to Jesus, and then you get married. Come on, y'all. And then two or three years later, you're going. I can't believe I fell for this guy. Come on. You're not looking for. You're looking for what you want in the moment. But what about the character of the person that you're attaching and yoking yourself to? Not once does the love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 ever mention feelings. Not one time is it, boy, when you feel it in your stomach, the little butterflies in your stomach, ooh, that's love in the first degree. That is not love in the first degree. That's the chili you had last night, praise God, causing you all kinds of stomach issues, amen. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, Jesus gives us the standard by which we determine who we are to be yoked to, and, and be it a wife, a husband, or a church. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. So he teaches us to be a fruit inspector. Not a tree inspector, but the fruit inspector. Do, do men, the Bible says, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or, from, or figs from thistles? In other words, would you ever get a grape from a thorn bush? You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't tear up your hand looking for a grape knowing there's no grapes that are even in there. But isn't it amazing how we go to the wrong source to get what we think we actually want? I'm preaching better than y'all want to talk to me this morning. So why is it as a Christian, as a child of the most high God, in the house of God on Sunday, loving God with all your heart, go right into the club to go find you somebody that you can relate to? How are you going into the thorn bush looking for a grape? I feel like doing the moonwalk in this place. Right out the door, because all you look at me, daggers in your eyes. Hallelujah. (laughs) Verse 17 and 18 says, even so, every good tree, every good tree bears what? Good fruit. But a bad tree bears what? Bad fruit. Good tree bears what? Bad tree bears what? A good tree, watch this, cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Come on, y'all. So it's got it. It cannot change from the root up. You got to change it. In other words, it's got. It's a seed issue. Whatever the seed is, is what it's going to determine. What's going to be. So it goes past the root and into the seed. Let me make this statement. When you examine the source properly, it will always tell you what it will produce. So if I look at an apple tree, I can determine it's going to produce apples. If I look at a pear tree, I can determine it's going to produce what pear. It's never going to change. Apples, I'm not going to go, apple tree, how come you didn't give me pears this year? It's never going to give me pears because it's not qualified to do it. It doesn't have the makeup to do it. So why are you going to look at some loser, come on somebody, telling you how much they love you, but they got a trail of other women and heartache of other people in their life, and you think they changed. I'm here to tell you, if they have been, they ought to be in the house of God. They ought to be worshiping the Lord because the only transformation... Preaching good now. We should really see our people that have given their lives totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. They ain't a weekend warrior. They're not a once a time, once in a while here, there, and, and gone tomorrow kind of Christian. They give their life totally to the Almighty God. Amen. Most people listen to what they want to hear instead of open their eyes to what really is. And the truth will sometimes disappoint you. But listen to this. It will never let you down. And I'd rather be disappointed than let down. And some of y'all can't afford to. So you got to watch who you get yoked up to. 
By the way, if you don't see any fruit yet in their lives, that don't, that, 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 then don't you make any decisions about them yet. They can change. Because I believe in that. They can change. But you don't make decisions about them to be a part of your world until the change has happened. Fruit comes in seasons. Don't, don't, by the way, let me just say this too about Kanye West. I'm a big, I love it. I think it's great. I want Kanye to do well. I want Kanye, I want this to be so real. I wanted him to shake the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even as green as he is, and, and even the family he's married into, hallelujah, God can use whatever he wants to use. I'm for it. I'm always going to be for stuff like that. But let me just tell you something. I get really careful for like a Joel. I love Joel. He's at Joel's church today. I get real careful about that. I would rather see him to walk this thing out. Come on, show us your fruit. Let, let us see it a little while before we put you on our platform to minister to our people. You know, I think that's a good thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm not going to put him down. I'm happy for him. But let's get some more discipleship going. And let, let, let me see what you can offer the, the kingdom of God before we just let you go up there and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do you say that, Pastor? Experience. I've been doing this a long time, and we put people in front of people that should never have been there in the first place. And then we wonder why they backslid. They backslid because they weren't able to handle it. Am I right about this? That's all I'm saying, but I'm, I'm for them. I want them to do well. Fruit comes in seasons. Don't up and yoke yourself to someone when they haven't proven their fruit or their character to you yet. Because you, they might be in the middle of a season. Look, what Jesus says about the one who will not produce, is found here in verse 19 where it says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So Jesus says about the person who doesn't produce has to be cut down and thrown into the fire. This is your loving Savior, your merciful Jesus saying this. Why would you ever give your life to someone who will not provide for you? Why do we give our life and yoke ourselves to people who will not produce fruit? But boy, they pick off the fruit, all the fruit off your vine. Am I, is this, am I okay? Some of y'all are getting anxious, I think. I don't know your situation. So if you don't nudge the person next to you, I won't even know who I'm talking to. Hallelujah. Yeah. Well, you know, they just need someone to believe in them, Pastor. And that's going to be me. I get that. You can pray for them, though. But you don't have to be hanging out with them every day. So are we saying now that you're more merciful than Jesus himself? Jesus said, let no man eat fruit from you again. This is how strong he is about those who claim to be something they're not and will not show the character of who they are by producing the fruit that they said they were. When you're yoked to someone, it means you work together with them. That's what I'm talking about. I can't be the only one that pulls the weight in this relationship. You've got to provide something. You've got to produce something. And if I relate that back to the church, if I may, just for a moment today, and I love my church. I love and honor to pastor my church. But if I can just be real for just a minute here, I will tell you, I as the pastor, my family, our staff, can't be the only ones that pulls the weight of the ministry. 
Because if we want that good children's program, and we have one, but if we want that good music program, if we want that good cafe, if we want all the things, that no skinny jeans, but if we want the other things, praise God, then I would say that we've got to all pull together. Because this church has a vision, but God expects the people that have their fruit to bear to all come together. And then we pull the resources together to do something great for the kingdom of God. You say, well, we don't have this and we don't have that. And I need to tell you, it's because someone like you will not pull with us. You will not share your fruit that you have. But if you will do that, God will not only provide more for you, but also provide for the ministry that he's called us all to do called Faith Builders. And that's a good thing. Somebody say amen. I can't be the only one that pulls. Uh, 20% of the people that give in this church can't be the only one that pulls. Uh, the, the other people that are, give, that are giving their talent and their time to be volunteers in our ministry can't be the only one. It's got to be everybody together working together. And some of you here, you are very merciful. And that's a good thing. Mercy is incredible, but it doesn't mean you check discernment and common sense at the door. Am I right about this? Look, I love everybody that comes to our church, but I don't trust everybody. <gasps> You're the pastor of this church. No, 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 no. And you love all your children too, but you don't trust every one of them. Love has nothing to do with trust. It's two different things. Am I right about this? For me to trust you means that you've passed the qualifications that I have set for my protection. In other words, or my preservation. In other words, I've got a, I've got a, a little thing that I have that says you can't just come into my world unless these are the things that you operate in. Or these are the things that you do. Yes, everybody should test everybody. Love everybody freely. But the people that come close to you, you got to trust them. And some of you have never set the bar, let alone set it high enough. But if, the, if, if you want to be yoked to the right people, you must develop a strong criteria for relationship. These are the things I expect in this relationship. I'm not a free-for-all. And when you, when, you, when you begin to hold yourself up to that kind of standard, you start drawing the right people in your life. The reason why you keep getting Mr. Loser and Mrs. Loser is because you, uh, there's something about you that's let your guard down and you don't value yourself enough. Amen. But God says, I value you. I, you're, you're my own children. You're joint heirs with Christ and heirs to God's throne. That's the kind of value God puts in you. You need to start acting like that. Amen. You're not some welcome mat for people to just come over and wipe their feet on you, use you, and abuse you. You can love them without being abused. Make this statement. If you get a job at McDonald's, after some tra training, they might trust you to flip burgers. But you will have to pass the test of qualification to know what's actually in the secret sauce. Not everybody's going to get that menu. All right? If you're looking for fruit, what kind of fruit are we going to look for? Well, it says here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, okay? Um, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These are the fruits of the Spirit. Will you love me even when my flaws show up? Well, the Bible says that love is a fruit. Amen. Will you be patient with me even when I keep messing up? Yes, because I have long suffering. Will you be at peace with me even though um, 
you know, I, I started a war with you. Yes, because that's a fruit of the Spirit. So number one, the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. Well, the first gauge is, are they peaceful? Are they loving? Do they have joy? Are they faithful? Are they good people? Do they have self-control in their life? All those, those types of things. So I'll know them by their fruit. People who constantly tell you uh, what they are, it's a high probability that they are not. I get real nervous when people start telling me what they are, what they can bring to the table, all that. And they're used to selling themselves out there and doing that. And I get real nervous because that's usually the first thing I go, they probably aren't that because I don't need you to tell me those things. If I get to know you a little bit, your fruit should tell me who you are. You're never going to convince me you're an apple tree, or an, right, if you never bear apples. That's, I think that's true in life. I had a guy in Beloit was just there last week. And by the way, I heard Pastor Robin did a fantastic job on last Sunday. Give it up for Pastor Robin, the first lady of the house. She's amazing. And I wanted to come preach more often too. She, she's just fantastic. She brings a different flavor than I, than I have. And it's very important, I think, to this church. But it was great being our sister church and being with Pastors Terry and Rachel Morehouse. And, and thank you for sharing me. We had two meetings there. It was fantastic. It was great. Sunday morning and Sunday night. I had a guy I hadn't seen in years. And I, I got a chance to talk to him for just a minute afterwards. And um, as I was talking to him, he said, I just want you to know something. I've never talked bad about you behind your back. I thought that was the oddest thing I've heard. Why would somebody lead a conversation? And I started thinking to myself, yes, you have. You feel bad about it, but you have done it. Usually it's like a convincing of themselves that they haven't. And I thought that's kind of odd. So when you tell people something you are or aren't, just let your fruit shine, man. Amen. If you got to tell me that you're a Christian, for instance, my immediately thought is, why would you tell me that? I'm a Christian. Why would you tell me that? I should be able to see the fruit of your Christianity before you ever tell me. There's going to be some love. There's going to be some joy. There's going to be some peace. I got people I run into at the, uh, at the grocery store or even at the altar, and they'll say, I go to church all the time. And then I'll go to them and say, well, what church do you go to? Um, uh, you know that one place down there. At 40, so, uh, they don't have a clue. Well, what's the pastor's name? Well, you know, one of them retired, so the new guy. I run to people at the store all the time, and, and they'll say, you know, uh, they'll say, you know, Faith Builders is my church. And I'm thinking, I haven't seen you in five years. Who are you convincing here, me or you? What's, what's going on here? In other words, where's your fruit? Where's your fruit? If you are something, I should. I would say, I know, I see you on a regular basis. And by the way, the fruit of this church being your church is when you say, my church. At my church, we do this. At my church, we do that. And they say, Pastor, I've been coming to your church for a while now, or I just love your church. I know that you are not yet a partner of this church. It's mine, but not yours. People will ask me, what should I call you uh, now that I'm coming to your church? Call me who I am to you. At least that's honest. But please don't call me pastor if you don't come to the church so that I can pastor you. I don't know if that was an indulgement on my part to say that because it felt good or if that was good for you too. But it did feel kind of good. People say, my pastor, my pastor, I haven't seen you and uh, uh, Sundays, four Sundays in a row ever. How can I be your pastor if you won't let me pastor you? 
Okay, it's starting to get deep, 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 deep in here. Let me change gears and get behind the protective pulpit. Praise the Lord. I know you want a confidant. I'm closing here. But let me make it clear. You don't tell your problems to untested friends who have not met the qualifications that you've put a standard to and your, your problems never go, never go up line. They, never, they, never, they always go up line. They never go down line. You always give your information to people you trust. Types of people that come in your life, number one, are the part-timers. Part-timers are people, these are people that are drawn together for a cause. They come in and out of your life for a cause. They're not meant to be your friends forever. So something you, you, you understand in life that, you know, we're, we're close now, but probably not going to be close in the future, but, hey, it's, they're a part-time friend. I used to take it personal when people would leave our, our church. I don't like it. I like to know why, but, you know, that's just, that's, just, that's just being a pastor. But I don't take it personal anymore because I recognize that I'm like a bus driver and I'm on a bus, and I have a route, and it's called my destiny. And this church is on a route going towards its destiny, right? And then I noticed that the bus, if you ever take the bus, you'll notice that when you go to a bus stop, there are people that get on the bus, and there are people that what? Get off the bus. Bus driver doesn't take that personal. He's just on his route, just doing what he's supposed to be doing. And I found that to be true. Some people you say, well, they're not here anymore. That's okay. That's okay. Maybe they were part-time people. They weren't supposed to be here forever. But they're in and they're out and they're, they're, God uses them for a season and then they move on. But then there's another kind of friend that will come into your life called allies. And these are those that are against what you're against. Uh, could be poverty, homelessness, uh, racism, you name it. Uh, any type of uh, community thing that goes together. Like, for instance, we have community teams that go out and do different things. And I found out that those people, uh, uh, you know, they come to our church and they might miss a bunch of Sundays in a row, but they never miss the community team. In other words, the, the ally that I have in them is the fact that they go to the after dark, which is what we do. How many times we do that? We do it once a month, James. Once a month. It's on a Friday night. It's for how long? How many hours? About three or four hours. It's great ministry to get involved in. But and that's another thing. And so they, they're a part of that. So they're allies. Just like our country, we, we, we may not like certain countries, but we end up becoming allies with them because we have a common enemy. Uh, they are, these are meant to be seasonal par partnerships, but they're not meant to be uh, partners that we yoke for long term. And then we have the long term ones, which are called covenant friends. And these are the people that are into you. It's not about what you're for or what you're against. It's about the fact that they love you just because you're you. They just really love you. Uh, if you've got two people like that in a lifetime, you're saying a lot. You're very blessed. You don't find those kind of people very often. I've watched my dad's generation in particular suffer the most from this because it was be your own man, do your own thing, and write your own way. And they never took the time to build relationships because they didn't trust one another. At some point, I like this younger generation that I see coming up, uh, especially within church world. Uh, these pastors that are young, they, 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 they cheer each other on. They rally around one another. They lift each other up. In my generation, not so much. In my dad's generation, hardly ever. Okay, How do you know you have a covenant friend? When you walk into a room... And you, sh and you share the victory that you've had, they stop everything and they celebrate with you. It's as if they've had the, as if they've had the victory themselves. 
and they celebrate. That's a covenant friend. They get excited about what we're excited about. If you're hurting, they stop and they put their arm around you and they hurt with you because they're what? They're covenant. They feel that same way. We have found good character in each other. And we know that the only people who are ever going to hear that conversation that we spoke in private is going to be between us and it will never leave our lips ever again. By the way, I want to say to you, my, my best friend outside of my wife, my best friend is Jesus and he is the ultimate confidant. And when you tell him whatever he, he, he hears from you, it doesn't get repeated except to the Father. And they work on your situation He's your closest ally. He is your best friend. He's not a part-timer. He's somebody in it for the long haul.